0: Hey guys, I'm your host, Smitha Kanturi, and welcome to Journey Podcast, your weekly podcast on transformational journeys. Hello, everybody. I have Rish Mithra with me. He launched a podcast called Dads and Deadlifts to help men overcome their shame and guilt and accept the authentic versions of themselves, instead of putting a tough face and lead to addiction and other negative behaviors. Rish had been researching this subject, talking to various experts from coaches, psychiatrist, psychologist, scientist, social caseworkers, counselors, doctors, and survivors, and victims to understand the root cause of domestic violence, addiction, depression, and anxiety. His mission in life is to serve boys, men, and dad. I don't know why you are specific about only boys, men, and dad, but again. <laughs> uh, he lives he has two-and-a-half-year-old adorable son. I have seen his pictures. You have to follow his social media. Everywhere he has his son's pictures, you will absolutely fall in love with him the minute you see but yeah rich welcome to our show thanks for being here and thanks for willing to share your uh, story with us
1: thank you thank you that's a quite of introduction by the way
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you Uh,
1: but uh, no really uh, thanks so I'm going to start off with uh, answering one of your questions before I introduce myself Um, is uh, why um, I decided to focus on boys men and uh, dads uh, specifically, is um, men are, I feel like, we still need to grow up. You know, we still need to talk about this. Women are ahead of us about this. Like, they're very vocal. They're emotionally very available. They're in tune with their emotions. And it's just how we are. Now, not to say that there are not uh, exceptions to that rule. I'm not saying that. But that's, that's how I felt that, uh, with, in my life, with, uh, my friends and, uh, in community in general. So that's basically why I decided to focus that because there are enough, enough light bearers in like, including you. And there's so many light bearers for women and helping them to get over that stigma, uh, Not many men, because again, that's the whole point. This is why it's such a big deal. Uh, This is why it's a stigma that we are not talking about it. And as a man who is half of his life, thirty-nine years. Hopefully, I live till hundred. Then it will be a little bit over that. But uh, I feel that I have a I have a son. We are two and a half. um, Well, which is he'll he'll turn three next month. I feel that I have a responsibility as a father uh, to do something that will help the next generation that what we faced in our generation, Mm -hmm. uh, at least try to raise awareness to that and uh, give everyone some tools to uh, understand and look from a different perspective and lenses and uh, that, Hey, you know how we were raised our generation and how the trauma and how the stigmas, how the whole definition of this is how it should be. And don't speak up. Boys don't cry, don't throw like a girl, um, man up. What, how can we change that narrative so that even if we cannot change, at least we can try ourselves, try our best to leave some sort of knowledge, some sort of tools, some sort of extra oomph, I guess, if I can say, for the next generation to take and really kind of start thinking like, huh, should we really be following the stigma? Does the stigma mean anything? So it's just kind of taking a a stance at breaking this cycle of stigma that uh, we're around. And men are all, men are responsible for that. Like uh, your question about why men is because the majority of it is really that, it's just how our society is created, right? Patriarchal society. Uh, We, at one point we we thought about that (laughs) Patriarch is like the main thing, but it's not.
0: Yeah. When you're mentioning about like society, uh, I know our both of our roots are from the same country. So right. our brought up will be a little different than the other people is what I'm guessing at least. Mm-hmm. So you doing this research or like talking to other men with, through your podcast. Have you seen like any big differences in the way that we were brought up versus the other people?
1: Mm-hmm. So that's a very good question. So coming, uh, I'm going to tie this together. Um, so basically it's a very good question because doing my podcast doing this research for 18 months what i'm seeing and talking to professionals talking to researchers talking to scientists talking to survivors women and men and it's all over it's not about south Asian, east asian community Mm -hmm. it's not about europe it's not about america it's there now the way it shows up is different for sure Mm -hmm there's different ways uh, because of the culture and our socioeconomic uh, like a strata or basically this is how the, how our society is. Yes, there's, there's difference how it shows up. Culture does play a role big time. But having said that, I will also say what I found is like man up this stigma, boys don't cry. It's everywhere. Now, yeah. there are Uh, When we grew up in India or in Southeast Asian community, I should say, um, our, because of our cultural uh, awareness and because of our cultural background, how we were raised uh, about this is how it is, and this is how it should be, and you should not speak up because we are, we are told to respect like uh, elder people, right, like adults and all that. And uh, no one really kind of gave us that open space. Now, again, having said that, I also want to remind your listeners and everyone else that, of course, there are exceptions. So we are not talking about the exceptions. The problem is exceptions are so small in percentage. But overall, if you see the bigger macro picture and 30,000, 50,000 feet overview of that, that the stigma is real. It's Mm -hmm. there. Um, now coming back to uh, this country, now we uh, we are talking of America. Like I I I am writing a book, Man Up, and I I say that imagine a Marlboro Man. The advertisement that used to go, like a Marlboro Man smoking a cig- cigarette and like you know riding a horse. Imagine a Marlboro Man walking into a therapist or a counseling's off, counselor's office saying that I'm depressed. Mm. That's not gonna jive with. an image of a man so that's the reality we were brought up that's the society we grew up with now what do you expect from our previous generations even including ours that that's 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 a man that's how man should behave man man uh, we should not cry we should not know the problem is we are specifying these emotions as gender-based.
0: Mm. Yep.
1: It's not a gender-based emotions. It's a human emotions. Crying.
0: Well said. Yep.
1: S- smiling. Sad. Anger. It's a human emotions. These are human emotions. Like we are we have created a society where we are basically labeling these emotions as gender-based. Yep. If a girl cries, it's okay. If a boy yeah. cries, toughen up, man up. No.
0: Likewise, even the other parts, like if a girl is talking back to you, again, yeah, mm-hmm. I totally get what you're mentioning. Like it is not gender-based. Emotions are like, yeah. It's, it's human. human.
1: And then what you're doing, you're creating both sides. And I, I tell people that, you know, when I talk about this, about the boys and men, you also have to realize like these affects our women too. And there's two ways it affects. And one is when you are raising your son, like specifically like uh, as a dad, uh, if I keep telling my son, man up, toughen up, don't, don't cry like a girl. He will start internalizing this thing that, oh, I am, I am not supposed to cry, but a girl is supposed to cry. He's immediately getting an object. He's gonna start, this, this the next generation gonna grow up Objectifying yep. women because you are at the same time you're also telling the women that it's okay to cry. It's okay not to be strong.
0: Yep.
1: So it it goes either way, and 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 that's that's where uh, I think like this the stigmas and the, this this whole shallowness of it uh, should be brought to light more and more um, to podcasts like yours, mine, and so many amazing people i've interviewed and they have their podcasts they have their platforms and i think like we are getting there there's a lot of awareness that's being raised but definitely we're not there but there are now we have the opportunity you can see it we just have to seize it and that's that's how i i kind of relate that with my platform and podcast
0: your book the title of your book man up is sounding so interesting actually intriguing actually so mm-hmm. why do you choose that and what exactly made you to write that book? So
1: same similar thing that I'm doing my podcast with, right? Because um, it's a different avenue to reach to people and kind of share my knowledge. I'm, I, and I openly tell people I'm not a therapist. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a counselor. I'm just another ordinary guy like who is an engineer, uh, nine-to-five, I'm a dad, uh, and, you know, and the thing is, I, I live this life.
0: Why is that and important to you that you chose this kind of a line of work? I mean, you have a nine-to-five job, even I have mine, and yeah, we sure are inspired by something, or like even sparked by some other thing happened to us, so what exactly sparked you that moment?
1: Mm, I like think like to... the, the very first thing I would say is my son. Hmm. It's absolutely, he's my why, he's my world, he's my love, he's my everything. And I think like, that's one thing that I'm like, and it may sound dramatic, but that's how I, I see it. I'm a, I'm a big believer in stoicism. I'm a huge stoic guy, right? Like, and at the end of the day, we will be gone what yep. we are leaving as a legacy that will stay. And, uh, and I, I want to make sure that I, I leave something for my son and I want to, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I, I want to make sure that what I faced and I'm going to get into uh, in details in a few minutes that he doesn't have to face.
0: Yes,
1: I'm giving him more Avenue and tools that he, ha- he can have in his lifetime that he can at least be uh, protected from those uh, evilness or from those things that happened to me in my life. Having said that, when you said why, I feel like I went through this, I had the resources and uh, I had the intellect not to do any stupid things like suicide or you know take my life although the thoughts did come and uh, again that's another stigma and these are these are the things that that keeps me up at night that uh, we have created these and no one is speaking up because everyone is afraid because the moment you speak up now you're gonna go to an institution now you're gonna be held in a mental health institute like you know How would you expect someone to open up if we are already giving them a fixed route and a consequence of, oh, you are depressed. There we go. No one's going to open up. Everyone is different. Yes, there are time and there are need for it. But I think like we need to create that safe space that we all talk about, but really don't give to each other. We need to start really taking action. We need to start really understand that it's not about just talking the talk you really have to give it because otherwise like we talk about it we don't it happens to us the moment then the very first thing we like oh uh i gotta call a mental institution or i gotta call because it happened to me Yeah. um so so that's that's why i'm like there are people who are losing lives there are people who doesn't have that so that's why i'm like how can i use this pain use my pain as a purpose and i say that say it all the time like use your pain to, for, to live to you in purpose, because your pain can serve as a purpose, not just for you, but for someone else who might have given up already. Okay. Um, so that's that's why I started it. And of course my son is an inspiration for sure.
0: So do you wanna share us um, your actual story? Yeah,
1: so, so ha- So basically what happened is everything kind of started uh, back when my son was born. And uh, I think he was six and a six months, six and a half months old um, just around that time. And I remember one day um, I was changing him and suddenly I I felt like just numb and like the whole, I I was, I literally felt I was having a heart attack and didn't realize it It went for like good 20, 30 minutes and I was really scared I was like okay this is not right like I never felt something like this and I cannot even explain it I still haven't been able to express it except that it's fear it was very scary to me Um, so then in aftermath of that was like talking and uh, through counseling through therapy I found out that all my childhood trauma came back and what the trauma is i was sexually abused as a kid and from family close family members so and i never really told anyone about it and even i kind of forgot about it like i had that always but i never you know like how you don't really think about it too much so it was there and that changed everything and plus also i was going through a very rocky marriage uh and that didn't help either Yep. and what happened after that is compounded with that is um you you, I reached out to a couple of my friends and all I got is like ah it happens and they're married married uh, uh, guys and uh, uh just man up it's all good right and when I needed the help most i didn't get it and that's where everything kind of started and this is why my book's name is man up and uh, i mean basically man up but subtitle is let's redefine it because we need to redefine this word Uh, this is enough is enough but um so that's that's kind of like it all started with that and i started working through therapy healing and really working and through the trauma and get better and take care of that because if you really uh, see the signs is like trauma stays in your body Yep. and it just shows up in in weird ways and that's what I learned and it was an amazing uh, experience to understand how everything works and and I got obsessive uh, with finding more and more and more. And it just like a lot of other things came up and how I do things, why I do things and all that. And so I'd always been a self-improvement nerd, but uh, this kind of took me down a completely different route about trauma and all that uh, grief that we, process, where we don't process as a kid. Uh, especially in uh of course southeast asian culture like mental health when where we grew up and i'm 39 i'm talking about 18, it's the 80s and 90s when we grew up uh, no one really talks about it no one really like no, everything I don't is think fine
0: everybody is talking about it even today right. it's not a thing right. that
1: exists for them right so I, I don't know like that's just part of the culture and so you're not it, it's just people Again, that's another stigma. That's what I'm trying to say. Like mental health is a stigma, and I, and I read this quote, and I really believe it. Uh, is you have a brain, that means that you have you have a health, yep. brain health. So you gotta take care of it, just like you have a body. You gotta take care of a body to go to workout and health of uh, the same thing with brain. So yes, of course, it it will get sick, and it's nothing bad. Now, at the same time, having said that, there are people um, they they tend to judge. And that's where I keep talking about safe space. You need to give that safe space to people. You cannot judge them. You cannot uh, immediately come to conclusion with your own self. And uh, that basically what that happens is you're projecting your own imagination on them. And so it also doesn't help. So all of this, like all all these uh, specific instances and my sexual abuse in In India as a kid and uh, that's not been processed because I never told anyone I never really told anyone in my family about this all of this just came because of the fact that now I have a son Mm -hmm. and my my subconscious immediately reminded me like as a it's a data instinct right we just don't say these terms mama bear and papa bear like there's a reason for it our instinct kicks in like boom and And I think that's just uh, my uh, instinct, just kicking in, telling me that, remember this. And it's good. It, It was good because it gave me time to process and heal. And now I'm more aware of it. And I'm helping my son to make sure that he's aware of it. I mean, yeah. he's 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 about to be three, but still, I'm taking steps that no one had uh, in our generation told us. Yeah, uh, I'm giving him that safe space to talk to me.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, and of course, I'm I'm showing him different steps that he can take and he can openly communicate, uh, not in language of babies, but in language of adults. So,
0: I've heard. I have interviewed other people about the same topic. I've heard usually parents give different names for the private parts. And when they are actually expressing that not to the parent to other people, they don't really understand what these kids are actually trying to explain. Correct. So yeah. people say like, yeah, introduce the actual terms instead of whatever mm-hmm. that you wanted to choose. Right.
1: It. I literally had a discussion with uh, his, his mother, um, my ex the other day that, uh you need to stop uh, you know babying his uh private parts i, I and and i i kind of shared the articles and she agreed she's like oh okay cuz uh, then now we are on same same wavelength but uh, yeah i mean it's it's very common and there's nothing like no one teaches us unless you go through it i think like one of the biggest thing that you know um, uh, of course uh, there's like two different things here like a complicate uh, uh, makes it complicated one of course uh, My son's mother and I'm not together. So that already is a little complicated. Like you kind of maintain a boundary. You kind of make sure like you just focus on your kid. And secondly, you also realize that um, I've been sexually abused. She was not. So I'm going to definitely be a little bit more protective, a little bit more aware of it. And uh, my sixth sense uh, will tell me to do something that I will do and make sure I'll do the right thing. And I'll make sure that my kid has the tools. Uh, so you have to have that communication. You have to explain to people why you're doing this, and, uh, and data shows it. That's that's the way it should be. You should be. Our kids should learn um, their private parts, especially uh, uh, specifically if we are talking about sexual abuse and rape and uh, childhood abuse, because it's it's happening. You believe it. we we want to we can turn our our head on the around, but like. It's still happening. We know it. It's happening. It happened to us. I know it. Yeah. So, I rather be prepared, uh, prepared, than be not prepared. I
0: regret and, afterwards.
1: Yeah. And say, yeah. my yeah. kid, at least give him, give him a chance.
0: Have you ever been like when you're sharing with your friends or like, not in the podcast? Yes, of course, podcasts yes, are like safe place these days for us mm-hmm. to talk about anything because we sure. made our own platforms to actually talk about this but right. when you're explaining this to your friends or anybody have you ever been shamed or like yeah them coming back and pointing the fingers at you saying apart from saying like yeah man up it happened just forget it apart from that is there any other unnecessary talk or like instances that happened to you
1: uh Not with my friends. Uh, And having said that, I'll tell you, like, I'm very private person, and um, I choose who to say, uh, who to open up to about certain things. Um, And uh, these are very, very private topics. um, And uh, really, few of my friends know, of course, with podcasts, though, I'm being vulnerable and sharing because to raise awareness, uh, not to not to get pity or self, yes, uh, self-pity self or um, uh, empathy or sympathy uh, but uh, now uh, most of my friends I opened up to um, Indians or um, uh, like my friends here in America
0: the reason that I specifically want to ask that question for girls it is easy to express but again they get a question back I have been asked like if you are not throwing yourself at the other person they'll not do anything to you I'm like so you expect a seven-year-old kid or eight-year-old kid to throw themselves at a 50-year-old man. And I don't really understand. Okay, forget about if you don't know about my childhood thing. Even today, the, it, it is like a general statement that is given, like, yeah, if you are not throwing yourself at a guy, they won't really like hit on you, right? So mm-hmm. maybe it is your fault or like you are provoking with your dress or like with your talk, with your body language why is that like do you hear the same thing from the other side of it like from men the people that you are talking are like your circles or things like that
1: no and uh, and i'll tell you why you hear this and why we don't and that's exactly what we're talking about here the stigma again we are creating again it goes back to man up and boys don't cry it's okay for men to pursue women and uh it's absolutely fine but the problem is and that's exactly why we don't get to hear this because we are like, yeah, if you pursue a woman, uh, eh, it's fine.
0: fine.
1: Um, but if a woman is trying to pursue someone, then they will be like, oh, you are being, you know, yeah. too, uh, not too that's modest, annoying. I guess. Yeah. To keep it, keep it PG and on this yeah. on your show. Um, but <clears throat> and that's the problem. You know, that's the problem because we have again, it comes down to labeling and identifying and objectifying the gender roles. And we have created this narrative in our story. So the friends who are telling you this, they're unfortunately projecting a story that they have been told, they had been part of. And unfortunately, as I said, like sexual abuse survivors, sexual emotional abuse survivors, gaslighting survivors, any sort of abuse survivors has that knowledge of, empathy to understand because you had been there who the other side who didn't and if they are not empathetic like and i had been in relationship the partner was not at all (laughs) and then then it's difficult then it's very difficult to uh have that connection have that knowledge and have that same level of empathy with them and this is why I said, like, I am very careful about who I let into my space and, and open up and share. Of course, before I decided to do this podcast and really open up and raise awareness. But uh, still, to, still today, even if anyone hears my podcast and hear your podcast or several other podcasts that I opened up to, come and talk to me. I choose who I get to explain and go into detail with versus who I not. Because not everyone will understand, and I don't like to spend and waste time because they won't yep,
0: yep. so
1: it's a two way street, so the fact as fact is that's that's how that's my boundary that's the boundary I've created for myself, because I know what I've been through, and it's very hard and in case of you or anyone else for that matter, who survived these abuse abuses, we know what we had been through. Yeah all these years we had been told that we are the one to be shamed ashamed of it stops right here this is exactly why all these things happening breaking the cycle that i'm gonna stop i'm not gonna let anyone tell me
0: True.
1: that i should be ashamed of something no i was not the perpetrator like someone else
0: was yeah so but I, I guess as you mentioned, that stigma of being a female, getting that caution is like so easy for a man to get that kind of a caution is like a little rare. Yes. Yes. And, and then that's a... that's
1: and that's exactly my point is we this is why we need to raise more awareness in men and boys that don't objectify them.
0: Exactly.
1: Because if we don't, we are really telling women to Yep be a ceo and all that all everything is happening is good me to movement love it but if we also not taking care of other piece of the puzzle that is men yep. and not in uh, raising awareness that how you should behave and how you should look and how you should treat women we are still missing half of the puzzle
0: Yep.
1: So, there's a reason all the mass shootings are or uh mass shooting uh yep. shooters are all men True.
0: True. And when you mentioned like you have done a lot of research past 18 months, were there any, of course, there should be like a lot of uh, interesting facts that you might have found. Mm -hmm. Would you be able to share like few of them that really made your thought process change or like impacted you a little more than what you are already?
1: Oh, the big time. Uh, I think the first time and it's all over my social media and I keep reminding people about that. Like, um, I, and I'll be very honest, like it. I, I'm like, I'm not looking at the right article. When I first read that, those song, couple of those articles, I'm like, I'm not reading the right articles. I gotta, I gotta go and sh- take a look at it. So, 70% of all suicide, suicides are men. And yes. I, I couldn't believe that. I was like, uh, this is a wrong thing. I, I don't believe it. And it's not here, it's global. <laughs> yep. But it's true. Uh, and then basically, 10% of men had any given point of time in their life had gone through any sort of PTSD and anxiety and have not told their partners. Yep. Um, 48.8% men were emotionally abused versus 48.4% women who were emotionally abused. That just blew my mind. Like it's 50, 50 people think about men are not emotionally abused. They are. Uh, And it just blew my mind. Like, hold on a minute. The fact is, again, we have created this patriarchal society at one point where we thought like we will be the torchbearer, which was complete BS. And we have also created a negative effect of that is men who are getting emotionally abused are not reporting. Again, it's, uh, it's the man up. I don't want to report it. I don't want to talk. And I was part of it right? I was part of it. And so some of these, uh, data are just staggering. Uh, they're, they're just, you, you can't like, when you start looking at that, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like just, and then, um, I think, uh, one of the, another thing was men are three and a half times more likely to be addicted to substance or alcohol over women. Um, so there's like plenty uh, and there's so many old, uh, so many of these research research uh, articles and once I started reading those, once I started looking them up and then of course like talking to people on podcasts and platforms, I am, I'm just surprised that no one uh, really raised an awareness or raised an alarm like 10 mm-hmm. years ago, 12, yeah. 20 years ago.
0: I don't think like, yeah, this social media exists that much at the point of time. So even if somebody wants to talk about anything, it would be like to that closed community. Nothing is like a global or like at least like with a bigger audience here.
1: Yeah. And I think you're right. Social media at least is helping us seeing other people opening up or the podcast, what I'm doing, what you're doing, what other people are doing. At least it's helping and raising an awareness and in case like someone didn't want to open up. Now they are getting that little bit of courage every day. Like, okay, maybe I can open up. Maybe I can uh, talk about my abuse.
0: Now that you started this podcast, I think you're doing it like for a year right now.
1: Uh, No, no, no. I I, uh, launched it in July. So it's about five months.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, you're doing this now. So what is the next step? Are you continuing going to do this? Or is there any other segments that you are going to include or like start doing any additional work on top of the podcast?
1: So it just kind of branches out, right? Because this podcast would always be there. Uh, and I'm going to keep um, uh, bringing stories to life uh, uh, through my platform um, and diving deep into more of a science-based behaviors. And of course, like uh, more professionals and talking about like yesterday, I, I had um, a counselor and a therapist, a specialist, trauma specialist, and getting into very scientific evidence of all these behaviors of trauma and what happens. So uh, yes, so the podcast will keep going. Um, I am also, of course, as I said, like I'm writing the book, uh, planning to launch it by 2021. In 2021, and then one of the things that I'm working on right now is that kind of branched out from that is, which is again. Uh, Everything kind of like I, how I dealt with it, how I felt and how I did, I'm kind of uh, giving it back and serving. Is um, uh, there, there, There's a program or a journal, however you want to call it, I'm creating for dads um, to connect with their kids. Hmm. Uh, so because I feel like men are so project-based yeah. And if you're not emotionally available, it's very hard to connect with your kids. And, um, I am learning that and, um, I have changed that and I am much more present every day, uh, with my kid. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I want to share this, what I'm doing every day with my kids. So, um, it's in the works. It's gonna, I'm trying to get things finished and, and then probably launch soon, um, Either in a journal based or in a course based something uh, to really kind of give, give dads uh, some tools that you can use these tools to do some fun things with your kids and uh, keep those memories uh, before they grow up too fast, and which they are.
0: <laughs> Definitely. I'll, I'll totally agree with that. I, I spend almost like a couple hours to three hours per day with my son even today. Yeah. It doesn't matter what topic he talks or like what topic I wanted to share, but yeah, we still talk like two to three hours. And everybody asks like, what do you actually talk to your son for so long? If if I'm talking to him, if somebody called me, I'm like, I'm not picking up a call. Or I just pick up the call and say, like, I'm I'm with him. Do you really need anything really urgent? And if they are like continuing talking, I, I bluntly tell them, like, yeah, let me talk to him, we'll talk later. Right everybody asks me a question like what is the topics that you are actually talking to when he's a kid okay that you are the only person now that he's like a teenager and even cross mm-hmm. kids, what is the topic that he can talk to he talks about every other thing in the world it doesn't matter right so we don't have any specific boundaries like yeah he cannot talk this topic or like i cannot share about this nothing in that way we, we talk everything yeah and, like, and
1: that's that's important, right? Because you need to give that safe space uh, for them to talk to you, uh, talk to uh, their parents. So
0: yeah, again, like that resonates with your point, saying like, if you are, if you have gone through something, you will be always protective and try to launch that communication first, since maybe, I, though I did not acknowledge my own trauma for all these years. But that Mm -hmm. was always there, like, even for me to send him for like sleepovers or anything, anywhere, I keep on like a tap on him.
1: Mm -hmm. I
0: made him a habit like, okay, the moment he reaches to the other, I mean, of course, I'll drop him. But every half an hour or so, he'll check in with me. And he made a habit in a way like now that even if he goes out somewhere with his friends, he'll call me back half an hour or like an hour later and say like, I'm checking on you. And I'm like, yeah. I'm staying at home and you are the one who is roaming around and you wanted to check on me. He's like, yeah, I'm just checking on you. You're not dead, right? You're fine, right? Okay, then I'm fine.
1: That's a good kid. That's a good kid.
0: <laughs> he doesn't really care to FaceTime anytime that I call. If I really feel like you're mm-hmm. something Whatever to make sure. Sometimes you will feel that. And if I call him like, okay, pick up the phone, I wanted to see you or something, he'll he'll just like call me from anywhere. It doesn't matter. Even if he's with like twenty other kids around and have like a blast over there, it doesn't matter. He'll just pick up the call and say, like, yes, I'm I'm fine, I'm having right. fun. He'll just like show it around and he's like, I'm I'm fine, mom, don't worry. Right. He doesn't really know the reason until up very recently, but yeah. Now that he knows the reason, he he actually makes sh- make sure. Make he sure he does that. It. Yeah.
1: See, the thing is, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, like um, we, we need to start opening up these conversations from next generations because the generation we grew up in, um, we, we never really had that space. Um, of course, not to say that, you know, I grew up in a very good family in a way like my parents are very, we're very understanding, but still. Um,
0: these topics were the, never the, topics at all.
1: No, the, the, it was not there. My mom was still was very open and like had that space for both of us, me and my sister, both my dad too. Um, but still there, there was a stigma that was there. It was not like as now um, you can say, as you were saying that it's, it's, you can easily talk True. and you have created that space.
0: With my parents, though, I mean, th- there are two things to look at in, into that even if you are actually able to tell to your parents, they should have enough knowledge or understanding about what you are actually trying to explain them. Yeah. So that was a failure from my parents to me. Though I tried to explain them at that point of time, they couldn't really understand. And when the other person picked me up right in front of them and started kissing me, say, saying like, yeah, I was missing my granddaughter. So I was just trying to play with your daughter. Hope you are fine with it. These two were like, yeah, that's, that's absolutely fine. Yes. So, which in turn for me is like became a normal because my parents gave that permission. Mm-hmm. Like it is absolutely right. He can do whatever he wants, but mm-hmm. they also doesn't have that education. So whatever you are doing today to educate the parents first, then we can have these communication channels or like you're teaching the kids. All these comes like afterwards. or like While you are teaching kids in the school, schools are trying to teach about this topic a lot these days. You're right. not be enough but again like at least they are trying to teach them good touch package all these things right I don't think I've ever heard those terms at all in my child no
1: no when we when we grew up I'm pretty sure like we didn't so
0: I have no clue about them. so even if I'm coming out and telling to my parents like yeah this is not feeling okay for them explaining back to me saying like yeah it's it's okay he's just missing his granddaughter here you're, you're fine with him so all that I know or like little that I know with that situation is like, yeah, whatever he's doing is okay. It seems. So why am I like stopping it? Right. i like, yeah, he is just trying to pamper me. or like, he's just giving that extra attention to me, which I'm not actually getting it from anybody. Right. So that's how it continued for me, like almost three years. So it doesn't need to be that long. It doesn't need to have that situation or any of it, but it, it did happen. Right. Oh so, yeah. I mean, Educating the parents about the subject is also like as important as when you are teaching. To Absolutely,
1: the well. and that's exactly why you know I was talking about like that uh, course and the journal that I'm working on. Like uh, it's it's one thing that yes, is uh, I'm working on the man up and bringing stigma, um, but as you said, like not you just you're not only teaching your kids to be aware of it. Uh, you also have to be aware of it. And yep. I talk about uh, you first have to be aware of it uh, as parents. And I talk about this is you have to unlearn. Yep. You have to unlearn these stigma. You have to unlearn these behaviors that's been plaguing us. Because if you don't unlearn, then how will you even understand? How will you even teach? You are going to teach the same thing that you learned. You have to unlearn those behaviors and then you have to relearn how you can navigate and how you can teach these new tools that's in your toolbox and how you can give that to your kids.
0: Shifting the topic for you being a single dad, how is that going on?
1: <laughs> oh, a uh, single dad, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fun because like we have so much to do. Um, I, I get him like every other weekend and a uh, couple of days um, uh, during the week and um, and that's not the stigma right like that's not the stigma that um, yeah. eventually i will i will cover and I, i'm already talking about it is even in court system uh, it's been looked at like dads are you know
0: hmm. not uh, well with,
1: like you know equipped with taking care of the kids and again uh, and i say it with with all i say it all the time is like there are exceptions yeah. there are absent fathers they're alcoholic fathers there are uh just same way there are from the women too but it's a stigma that we have created and again it comes down from that man up all this yeah. it's a trickle down stigma and i this is why i told you in the beginning of the show these are micro stigmas i like to call it like this is the main stigma that yep. starts it and then it just branches out and like there's so many other stigmas that we create right that uh, dads are not well equipped with. But I'll tell you something that um, I know so many dads like they, I mean, like they're my role models for their son, for their kids. So I get to spend time with him, uh, but it's not 50-50, it's 60-40. So of course my ex has uh, 60% and I got 42% or something uh, similar. So about 60-40. So No. I mean, I, every time I get him, like, uh, I mean, like we, we already have some sort of things planned and um, I kind of go with uh, his uh, things that he likes to do. And this is why I'm talking about this journal is because uh, eventually in a matter of a year already, we had done so many things and I tell my friends and they were like, Oh my God, like, tell me what you do. So I kind of tell them. And then, I'm like, man, I mean, like, amazing. So that's kind of gave me the idea, like, oh, what if I share all these activities just with my friends, but with other people that uh, you, don't, you don't need much to uh, connect with your kid. Uh, you don't need to buy them uh, gigantic and like uh, enormous, crazy, expensive like, things. Expensive you can do things at home. You can do things taking a walk. It's just how you bond and how you can teach and uh so anyway so yeah that's 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 what we do and um he, we, we just have fun we just have uh, he calls me Dada, so we have Dara sometimes so <laughs>
0: that's so and, and
1: and uh, i think the biggest thing is to be very honest with you um i am learning to be more present because of him because more and more when i spend time with him he he needs your attention, right? Because he's, he's three years old and and then you are more present. And then, then you are at a point, you are like, you, for, you forget rest of the stress of your day. You know, like you're just kind of with him then.
0: Yep.
1: So it's definitely making me a better person for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that's so good actually. Even I, I don't take him out too much or like any of it. It's just like sitting before the TV watching together some interesting show for both of us. Yeah. Even if we want, we walk with our dog, dogs. I have two. Yeah. So that, that is like, we go to the dog park, sit there for like an hour or so the dogs will be just roaming and we'll sit at a corner keep talking about talking. anything and everything. So, yeah. And that's,
1: that's what it is. You know, I, I give him um, even uh, my, my son is three years old and I, I do this thing called um, five-minute speech, and I just started it like literally last week. And I just came. I'm like, you know what? He he loves to talk. For three-year-old, he he just he's a talker. And I, I everyone tells me like, how come your son is so vocal at three? I don't know, uh, but he he can actually carry on a conversation with you. And um, so I, I kind of started doing this since last week. I give him five-minute speech. I'm like, okay, you have five minutes to tell me how did your day go? Uh, tell me five things that you liked about today. And, um, and then um, finish up with one thing you are grateful for. So stuff like that, I'm trying to incorporate those because I feel it's very important for um, our kids to understand these. I don't think like no one's teaching our kids these personal development tools in schools. Uh, You and I, and when we grow up and when we go through pain, we, we find these personal development tools. Uh, I think like these should be included in curriculum more than anything else. Um, How to feel gratitude, how to be grateful, how to uh, be more uh, present. And I, we do like uh, meditation and he always tells me like, turn on the meditation music uh, (laughs) in the, at night. And that's how he sleeps. Um, So, so. It just stuff things like that I think like uh, kind of it's it's serving both purpose it's serving my selfish purpose of raising him uh, the way I like and it's also giving him the tools that he maybe he won't use it for a while but one day he will look back and he might uh, get back to it uh, at okay. least he he'll have all these tools in his toolbox to look fall well for when he needs we
0: it definitely have that at least like understanding of what it is to that one thing. right definitely that will pay off big time over yes for a period now that i those, hope so i uh, hope so <laughs> trust me it will one more question like I Aben, mean, how I, I don't know if you are really dating anybody are you if you are looking for how does that go for you you do know our culture that is right an entire different animal over there right but in general if I have to talk these are the things that, that I always see around whether you put yourself out for dating or not is it doesn't matter nobody really cares about what I wanted or like whether I'm looking for it or not mm-hmm. but those are the things that I always get so from that perspective I'm sure you might not have that kind of an emotional things but do you have any of that what kind of an experience that you are facing
1: so first of all, uh, before I answer the question, um, unfortunately, um, uh, I'm, I'm like, this is not the first time I'm hearing this about uh, single mom, uh, dating. Thank God. And, uh, it is, it, it, it is, uh, again, it goes back to the same thing that I keep talking about is
0: Definitely.
1: it comes down to the same thing that how we are objectifying our gender roles. And uh, it's sad that the moment they, they feel that you don't have a partner, uh, they were, uh, it's um, available, uh, you're easy. And again, it's just objectifying and labeling those, right? Because that's just how uh, the society and this, the, again, it comes talks about this uh, stigma. And so, yes, uh, so definitely I'm sorry that you are going through that same thing. Uh, the best way I could tell you is... Uh, definitely don't lose hope uh, because there are good guys. And, (laughs) and I, I, I tell people that, you know, it's like, once you understand the darkness and uh, with your life history and with your experience, what you told me and what, how we talked offline, you you want, you will value light. You will know the good and the bad. And, and then talking about your friends and again it comes down to the same thing that oh i want to protect my husband so that he doesn't the thing is as you said like if you have to that means you are already insecure about your husband yep that means you already know in your gut like there's something wrong and so that's not on you that's that's completely a different dynamics and different topic uh our, uh, of course, for men, uh, it's different for sure. And uh, are there uh, stigmas like this? Not exactly similar to yours, but definitely there will be something like mostly to the point of like uh, kids right? and uh, wh- whether you're available or not with, with kids and all. So it's, it's not that bad. So... I had to navigate. And then I think from my side, uh, I had to be careful when I entered dating scene is um, I have a son now. It's less yeah. about me, more about him. So I had to, my shift have changed uh, the perspective that whoever I bring into my life is not just dealing with me. Yes. Uh, she's going to be uh, in my son's life. So I had to keep that in mind very like literally etched in stone yep,
0: yep.
1: so they are like and then then that's how I got very selective I was very selective I'm like I'm not even gonna meet someone if there's nothing going on in just yep. communicating earlier because I created this whole thing after my divorce is like um uh, completely like I spent time on it like a dream partner and like non-negotiable traits and negotiable traits and absolutely not um and uh, yes, I met someone, and uh, she's a mother of two boys, and uh, about my son's age, and, uh, and we are we are uh, dating uh, for about four months now, and we haven't seen each other's kids because you know uh, we both were on the same page on that principles that uh, we're not gonna see each other's kids until we are sure about each other, until we had all the difficult conversations, until we know that. Yes, this is going to a long term. And um, so we still haven't. Uh, we're still figuring each other out. We're still learning about each other. And we still uh, have definitely some time to go. And then we'll see um, around, like, you know, we are talking about meeting each other's kids around Christmas or maybe next year. And uh, we'll see how things go, how things move. But again, keeping that in mind, like, I do want to mention that the dating scene uh, as a single dad or a single mom, uh, I think should be very much focused on. And again, it's just my opinion uh, on on the kids and not uh, on us because now the perspective will change. If anyone doesn't respect you, they don't respect your kids, vice versa. If anyone doesn't respect your kids, won't respect you. So, and then I also, one topic I also want to cover is like, I also know like some people, they, they like to introduce their kids to every partner they go on a date with and that's also not right because now you're actually uh, and it's scientifically proven and it's research shown that you're creating an impression in kids mind and uh, chances of them being promiscuous or being not serious in relationships are much higher yep. uh, if you keep doing that so all these things has to be taken into account, especially when we are all single parents and we have a responsibility and uh, most of all.
0: I wouldn't really know about dating because honestly, I've never dated anybody past twelve years. I don't mm-hmm. go out, I don't let anybody home. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I'm happy. I'm happy to be single, so yes
1: hey. There you go. I mean, like, you know, that's the thing. Like I I talk, I I say this a lot, like, you know, as long as, as long as you're happy, uh, choose your happy, you know, and as long as you're happy with yourself, I mean, absolutely. And I think like one of the thing also people need to realize, like we hear this thing until we actually takes time to take time to process is you, you need to start having some self-love before you let anyone else, you need to start really figuring yourself out first and be independent and not codependent, right? Like, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, to be very honest, like if my partner, uh, who am I dating right now, if, if we fall apart, like I'll, I'll be like, hey, you know what, it was really nice experience, really nice to get to know each other, but I will not hold anyone accountable. I'll not hold, uh, I'll not be sad because I will know that I had given a fair chance uh, to love and to life. And uh, if it doesn't work, then uh, life goes on. I mean, I'm still the same guy. Still be happy with my kids. So
0: another one important question that I wanted to ask was like, uh, I don't know how long you and your ex decided to leave. One day, it's not like overnight thing that you have decided. The next day morning, you walked out of it. Definitely not that way. So there will be a period of that transition, or like for you to get the concrete understanding that, okay, this is not going to work anymore. Uh-huh. At that point of time, I don't know, let's just say if it's in a year, whether you you are trying to decide or she's trying to decide. Uh, this is coming from a standpoint of rape concept.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Will you ever like force yourself on her saying like, yes, since you haven't decided yet, you're still living with me. I just want this since you are still titled as my wife.
1: Mm, No,
0: but a lot of guys look at when I'm talking about this rape concept, not the person that I'm actually interviewing, not the guest. But when I had had this conversation to outside people, everybody is like, maybe you are staying in that relationship still, because you are still figuring out or like you are trying to get some benefit out of it. Mm. So when he is asking for it or like you are getting to do that. Why are you opposing to it? And why are you labeling it as a rape? Wife and husband relationship should never be considered as rape at all. So oh. what is your take on it?
1: Well, that's um, that's a very deep topic because-
0: it, I know this will not be I, enough, but- No, no, it, no, no I, 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 I,
1: have, have, I have a friend um, I know, uh, she went through similar, she was not married, but she was engaged, similar situation. And the answer is no, absolutely not. It's, it's illegal. Uh, it's not right. And yes, it is. it can be turned rape. It doesn't matter whether uh, a paper cannot justify your emotions. A paper cannot create a, an open space for uh, someone to come and uh, violate your body, your physical space, because it's some things that very sacred and uh, that's the whole point of marriage that's the whole point of being in a relationship otherwise we all will be uh, going around and uh you know uh, basically uh, violating everyone's body so the fact that someone even told you that that's pretty uh, it's crazy and so so yeah so my answer is absolutely not and uh it's very emotional too right because you're not just uh Engaging in a physical activity, you're basically engaging uh, a lot of that emotions in it. Of course, I understand that. Yes, at the end of the day, it's a primal thing, and uh, it, it, that's how also people look at it. One is not actively supporting it. Uh, mm-hmm. The definition is rape. Uh, you can't. You can sugar. You cannot sugarcoat that. You cannot uh, have. It define as something else now at the same time you, you can be husband and wife you can be boyfriend girlfriend but again if someone is not giving you permission that's that's a freaking no and this is this makes me angry and this makes my blood boil that people still think that just because you're in a relationship just because uh, you have gotten a a paper or a label that you are someone someone you have the authority or you have no you don't you don't have any authority if i choose not to you can't uh so, so i'm sorry again you went through that and uh but uh it's 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 an absolute not and uh from ethical standpoint for sure and uh in my case now it's uh, basically i uh, we we basically stayed in um, different rooms.
0: For me, it, I'm not like generically giving a stamp that every girl is so innocent in right. that subject. At the same time, if somebody is literally forcing on you to do something that you don't want to be done, right. obviously it should be considered. And the way the topic went on with the other person was like his close friends went through some uh, nasty divorce. And in that situation, the girls started playing this card a lot to get a lot of money out of them, it seems. They mm-hmm. said, like, maybe I'm not like, as I said, I can't group all the girls are at one way and all the boys are like, yeah, perpetrators or like whatever. It's right. their fault. But at the same time, if somebody is like able to corner you with that subject, you, you think about it like what led you into that first first off. If mm-hmm. you think like your part is really major into that, that you actually started it. And after starting, if she is like consenting, you are like at least like leaving it. Okay, just finish it off and go. That might be also a different case. I I don't know. I'm not in that situation. Every situation, every person, mental ability, strength, right. everything is different. Yeah. But the question was like, you are still staying in that relationship, even though you know your partner is bad. Mm-hmm. Since you are still figuring out your ways, maybe your financial settlements or like your uh, social awareness, trying anything, that is your fault. So mm-hmm. you are asking the other person to do it. That's why mm. they are doing it on you. I'm like, for me, no, it's it, again, it's, 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 it's like, really like it did not get into my mind at all with that statement.
1: No, it's it's still wrong either way. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, we all are trying to figure out like if we're in a bad marriage. I mean, that's a bad marriage. Uh, doesn't just come up one day next morning we wake up like yep that's we're gonna end it takes a while to navigate those thoughts and Well process normal these normal people thoughts.
0: the way they look at it is like it's just black or white one day you get up you feel like yes this is not going to work out no. and just like yeah boom you are walking around like it's it's just not that simple kids are involved if kids are there kids are involved and you have to figure out a lot of other logistics too right. so course, you are going to talk to each other that right, and it will take a long time if that one partner is not really like agreeing for anything that yet it will take more than
1: oh, what for sure. Even yeah.
0: expecting, yeah, for me, it took like 10 years to come out of it, but yeah, wow. it, it, yeah, from the second day of my marriage, I know that it will not work, and it took 10 years for me to work to come out of it, and yeah, here I am today, so and I
1: here you are today with your story and especially with uh, what you have been through and raising awareness for uh, through your podcast and I really wish all the success when you launch and I will do anything if you need me to on social media and uh, share your stuff And uh, you. because I think it's needed because people need to raise awareness, uh, people needs to uh, speak up about uh, what happened uh, and because you never know that your pain can serve as a purpose. And I keep saying that. So I, I would leave you with this, that, you know, it's always better tomorrow. I always see this way. Uh, even though today uh, didn't go all right. Uh, I always say like, it's always the next day. It's there.
0: Definitely. And
1: uh, the fact that you have your 10 years of bad marriage and uh, you have an amazing son uh, who still, came through that marriage and uh i i i say this uh, on my things too that my biggest mistake list led to my biggest blessing Yep. you know um and you, i cannot take that uh away from that so i i I'm just basically take that as a being grateful and I'm like mean? all this pain pain was worth it basically i know it's kind of sound cheesy but it is it is the way That's i see true. it and yes. that's the way I want to leave your audience and you with is, uh, is sometimes like at that moment, you feel it's, it's hard. Uh, but if you go through it and you look back and you will be like, I'm glad I went through that. Now I'm a better person.
0: Okay. Thank you for tuning in. And you can find me on all the socials at Smita Gunturi and the show notes for any resources mentioned. See you next week. Take care.